0: chapter 4 of the heart's kingdom by maria thompson davis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org chapter 4 to turkey gulch the next morning i was very late in descending to my breakfast but arrived in time to witness mammy's arrangement of my father which was conducted in perfect respect, but with great severity.
1: I know, Judge, that men folks don't know lace that costs a million dollars a yard from a blind woman's tatting. And that's what makes me say what I does, that it sure am some fair em to go on a rampage in woman folks trunks. I ain't never gonna get the stains from them clods of earth out of my lamb's clothes, even if the minister did help you put em on em
2: but melissa those anemones were more valuable than any lace ever manufactured and i am sure that charlotte will absolve me when she hears of the exigencies of the case
0: father pleaded over the top of his morning paper mammy was pretending to dust his study as a blind to the lecture she was administering
1: yes sir i knows all that but that lace was a heap more valuable than that toothache in that worthless dabney's jaw which he could have wrapped up and hunted out all the old sheets for you instead of that petticoat with them real lace ruffles
0: was mammy's firm rejoinder while she passed the feather duster over the table and rolled her eyes at dabney let's let them both off this time Mammy. "'Dabney can take the trunks where they belong, and locked them up,' I said, as I went toward the dining-room, while she followed to minister upon
1: my tardiness. "'Them was all your finest lingerings,'
0: she said, as she plied me with breakfast.
1: "'And they was all lost on men, folks. They hasn't even one lady rode by while I had em on the line in the sunshine,'
0: she grumbled, as she finally retired to the kitchen after finishing my coffee i sauntered to the front of the house led by a chorus of hearty laughter in a fluty tenor voice accompanied by a bass growl in which i was sure that father was recounting the scrape in which his and the reverend mr goodloe's anemone's adventure had got them i assured myself that i was annoyed by this repeated early morning invasion of ministerial calls and intended to retire to my room until it was over but without knowing why I found myself in the library and greeting the enemy
3: please forgive us the case was one of dire necessity
0: the Reverend mr. Goodloe pleaded as he rose and took my hand in his and held it in such a way that I was forced to look in his face and smile whether I wished it or not from ambush I saw you take them and I was powerless to prevent I answered with a smile at father
3: I came over to ask you if you wouldn't like to go away out into the harpeth hills on a mission with me this wonderful morning i don't know exactly whether i am called to officiate at a birth or a death or that intermediate festivity a wedding this is the summons from an old friend of mine
0: as he spoke he held out to me a greasy paper on which were a few words scrawled with a pencil
4: parson we need you in the morning bad please come with bill as days. "'Bring a Bible and liniment, and oblige your true friend, Jed Bangs, and wife.'"
0: "'Isn't your friend Bill able to elucidate?' I asked, as I passed the paper on to father.
3: "'Bill seems to be dumb without being deaf, and has no histrionic talent to act out the necessity. So I'm going with him. The Bangs family live up on Old Harpath Path at Turkey Gulch, and Jed has shot partridges with me all winter.'" please you and the judge come with me i can get the car over paradise ridge if i turn it into a wildcat the morning is delicious and i feel that i'll need you both
0: never in the world have i heard a man's voice with such compelling notes in it that range from a soft coax to a quiet command i had not the slightest idea of going with him and i was about to refuse with as much sugary hot air as i dared use to him when I looked into father's face and accepted. I had never been on a picnic with my father in my life, and I could not understand the pleading in his eyes for my acceptance of this invitation to an adventure in his company. But then, several times since I had come home, I had seen a father I had never known before, and he fascinated me.
3: THE MOUNTAIN LAUREL IS IN BLOOM, AND THE rhododendron, AND YOU ARE A VERY GRACIOUS LADY.
0: The Reverend Mr. Goodlow assured me with a deep bow over my hand, which she kissed in a very delightful foreign fashion, which made Mammy, who had come to the door to hear my decision, roll her eyes in astonishment, which, however, held no hint of criticism, for with her the spiritual king could do no wrong.
1: "'I got a snack fixed up just soon as that Dabney told me about the junket,' she announced and i'll put a little wine jelly and flannels in it if it am a baby and a bunch of white jessamines in case it am a death
0: suppose it is a wedding i asked her
1: i don't take no notice of weddings it was a wedding that got me into all the trouble of that dabney and his worthless son jefferson What ain't like me in no way
0: with which fling at dabney who was hovering at the door she rolled herself back to her kitchen "'What have you been doing to her now,
2: you rascal?'
0: father demanded of Dabney, who was handing him his hat and holding out his light overcoat to put him into it.
4: "'I just stepped into the kitchen while her light rolls for supper was raisin', and got a ruckus for it,'
0: was his mild answer. Dabney lived his connubial life mildly in the midst of the storm of his better half.
2: "'Well, don't do it again, and put that spade in Mr. Goodloe's car.' "'for I'm going to bring in some honeysuckle-roots and a laurel-sprout or two to try out in the garden.'
0: "'Father commanded, as I took my coat and hat from the chair where I had thrown them the afternoon before, "'and went out to the unministerial-looking car which stood before the parsonage. "'Of course I had to accept the Reverend Mr. Goodloe's invitation for the journey out into the hills "'in order to sit beside this very new kind of father I was dimly discovering myself to possess.' but i do not to this day know how it happened that i was crushed against the arm steering the gray racer as we sped through good loads towards old harpeth while the judge sat beaming though silent beside the more silent bill who did not beam but looked out at the road ahead with a shadow in his face of the fatalism that so many of the mountain folk possesses we were just turning out from the edge of the town past the last house with its stately white pillars, when a bunch of pink and white precipitated itself directly in front of the car, which made the first of the wild wildcat spring that its master had prophesied for it, and then stood with its engine palpitating with what seemed like mechanical fear, while I buried my head on the strong arm next to me, which I could feel tremble for an instant as the Reverend Mr. Goodloe breathed a fervent,
3: "'Thank God!'
0: Father rose from his seat, with a good round oath and silent bill snorted like a wild animal
5: why didn't you stop when you saw me coming
0: an imperious young voice demanded in tones of distinct anger and charlotte my name-daughter of the house of morgan calmly climbed up on the running board over the door next to father and settled herself in between him and the silent bill
5: now you can go on
0: she calmly announced in a very much mollified tone of voice as she shook out her ruffles into a less compressed state and wiped her face with her dirty hand much to the detriment of the roses in her cheeks
3: where are you going charlotte may i inquire
0: asked the reverend mr goodloe in a cheerful and calm voice though i saw that his fingers still trembled on the steering-wheel as he held back the enraged gray engine i was still speechless and saw that father was in the same condition
5: you said i might go next time when my auntie harriet didn't want me to go with you last tuesday on account of my stomach from the raw potato jimmy dared me to eat this is that time
0: she calmly answered as she gave an interested look at the silent bill and again settled the short pink skirts
3: yes i did say
0: that admitted mr goodloe as he turned in his seat as far as he could and began to argue the question
3: but we shall be gone almost all day And I am afraid your mother wouldn't want you to be gone that long.
5: Is it true for you to say that when you know that she will be mighty glad for you to keep me safe with you all day?
0: Charlotte demanded of him, looking directly into his smiling, friendly face.
3: No, that wasn't quite honest, I'll admit.
0: He answered her gravely with the guilt of conviction showing in his face just as plainly as it would have shown if one of his deacons had caught him evading a question of grave moment
3: and as it is the fulfilment of a promise which you claim i am going to ask miss powers and the judge if they will permit me to add you to the party and then go and get permission from your mother to take you with us
5: my mother told me to go and bother auntie charlotte an hour or two and that was when i met you i ran into the car just minding my mother
0: charlotte answered him with a calm pride at her near achievement of death through literal obedience "'Just drive by, and we'll call to Nell. I am afraid the case must have been desperate, for I am seldom the victim,' I said in an undertone to our host, who acquiesced with a laugh. "'Harriet Henderson must be dead, for Nell usually sends the worse one to her,' I added under my breath.
5: "'My auntie Harriet is having a man cut the ache out of one of her teeth,'
0: Charlotte remarked, apropos of nothing, as the huge car swung around into the street in which the Morgans reside.
5: "'And besides, i don't like her any more because when she said sue had to have part of the doll-house she bought for us to play in down at her home and i said then sue would have to take the outside because i wanted the inside she locked it up for all this week
2: the modern business acumen of the feminist persuasion father
0: remarked as
2: we all laughed at this candid revelation
0: of an egocentric attitude of mind in small charlotte after a few whirls of the gray wheels we paused a moment at the morgan gate heavens yes and thank you called nell in response to our demand for her small daughter's
5: company if i had another one clean i'd give it to you better go on quick for jimmy can wash in a piece of a minute if he wants to warned charlotte
0: and in a second the parson had sent the gray car flying out toward old harpeth though i saw him glance back with a trace of distress in his eyes at the fading vision of a small boy running howling to the front gate of the morgan residence
5: now mother'll whip him for crying if she does as she says she would but she
0: won't observed the tender big sister as she rose to her feet and waved a maddening farewell to the distressed urchin being left behind Is she totally depraved i asked of the young charlotte's spiritual adviser at my side
3: no perfectly honest
0: he answered me with a glint in his eyes that was a laughing challenge there is something awful about honesty i answered without appearing to notice the glint
3: there wouldn't be if it were a universal custom
0: was the answer i got as we whirled by a farmer's woodlot and began to climb the first foothill of old harpeth all my life i had been going out to old harpeth on excursions but never had i spent a day like the one I had begun, with the jaguar in his native fastnesses. The whole old mountain was beginning to bud, and I could almost see the draping, on a regal Persian garment of rose and green, threaded with purple and blue, woven against the old brown and grey of the earth colour. The wine-coloured trillium with its huge spotted leaves, the slender white dog-toothed violets, the rose-pink arbutus, The blue star myrtle and the crimson oak buds were matted into a vast robe that was gorgeously oriental, while a perfume that was surely more delicious than any ever wafted from the gardens of Arabia floated past us in a gust through which the gray car sped without the slightest shortness of breath. I seemed a million miles away from the great fetid city in which I had been living, and fast going farther as we wound up and up into the great forest which is the crown of old Harpeth, we could look down through occasional vistas, and see the Harpeth River, curling and bending through pastures, in which the chocolate-ploughed fields were laid off in huge checks with the green meadows, while the farmhouses and barns dotted the valley like the crude figures on a hand-woven chintz. There are very few men who know enough not to talk to a woman when she has no desire for their conversation. But the Reverend Jaguar seemed to be one of the variety who comprehend the value of silences, and neither of us spoke for at least ten miles, though, of course, it was his duty to make hay while the sun of my nature shone upon him, and delicately to inquire into my spiritual condition. He didn't he just let the wind blow into my empty spaces and kept his eyes and thoughts on the road ahead of him charlotte's chatter with father was blown back from me and i was happy in a kind of aloneness i had never felt before
2: we are in hastings county now and in a few minutes we shall be in hicks centre the county seat were the first words that broke in
0: on my self-communion as we began to speed past rough board and log cabins each surrounded by a picket fence which in no way seemed to fend the doorstep from razor-back pigs chickens and a few young mules and calves
3: ah it must be court day for i don't see a single inhabitant sitting chewing under his own vine and fig-tree
2: yes it's the first monday answered father
0: as the gray machine pulled gallantly through a few hundred feet of thick black mud and turned from the wilderness into the public square of the metropolis of hicks centre
2: Yes court is in session and there the whole population is in the courthouse
0: said father as we glided slowly down the village street
2: they must be trying a murder or a horse-stealing case
0: and i saw his eyes gleam for a second under their heavy brows as the eyes of an old war-horse must gleam when he scents powder ugh assented silent bill making the first remark of the journey and as he spoke the syllable he rose and pointed to the courthouse which stood in the midst of a mud-covered public square completely surrounded by hitching-posts to which were hitched all the vehicles of locomotion of the last century down to the present in hicks centre which had not yet arrived as far as the day of the motor-car
3: is jed in there bill
0: demanded the rev mr Goodlow, and as bill assented with muscular vigour, if not vocal he drew the gray car up beside an old-fashioned carryall, whose wheels were at least five feet high and which had hitched to its pole an old horse and a young mule.
3: That team makes a nice balance of uh, temperament,
0: Mr. Goodlow remarked as he lifted out Charlotte and then turned to swing me, in his strong arms, free of a mud puddle and onto the old brick pavement, which was green with the moss of generations. Then, piloted by the silent bill, we made our way through a quiet throng of men and women and children from the awkward age of shoot-up trousers and skirts, to that which, in many cases, was partaking from the maternal fount, as the women stood in groups and whispered, as they looked at us shyly. Somehow the decorous calico skirts, which just cleared the ground, made me feel naked in my own white corduroy, which was all of eight inches from the mud in which theirs had draggled. And as silent as they even Charles' chatter subdued we entered the courtroom and were led through a crowd up to the front seat at least the rest of us were seated but the judge jury and prisoner and prosecuting attorney rose in a body and shook hands with the reverend mr goodloe as if he were their common and best-beloved son
2: he's been in happath valley less than a year and look at that we've been here all our lives and they don't know who we are
0: whispered Father, with the same pride shining in his eyes that shone upon the parson from the eyes of the gaunt prisoner who rose and shook hands with mr Goodlow, with the sheriff beside him while the rough old judge from the bench waited his
6: turn we accommodated jed by waiting until you come before we begun his trial parson the judge said as he turned back to his bench which was a splint-bottomed
0: chair behind the rude table dignity being lent to the chair by its being the only one in the room the rest of the population of the courtroom of hick's centre were seated upon benches made of split and hewn logs
3: thank you mr hildrop
0: said the reverend mr Goodlow, as he sat down beside the prisoner and began a whispered conversation with him
6: the court have come to order shoot ahead jim and tell us what jade have done and how he done it commanded the judge as he tilted back his chair took out
0: his knife and began to whittle a stick of bright red cedar twelve good men and true attired in butternut trousers stuffed into muddy boots settled themselves in the jury-box which was a log bench set at right angles to the other benches a little apart from the table and chair of the judge and nine of them took out their knives and bits of cedar and began to follow the lead of the judge in making fine pink curls fall upon the floor
7: may it please your honour prisoners charged with stealing of a young mule
0: said a lanky young mountain lawyer who had put on a coat over his flannel shirt, and brushed a little patch of tow hair just above his brows in deference to his position of prosecuting attorney. State your case, commanded the judge, as he tried the point of his splinter against his thumb to test its whittled sharpness.
7: Ham Turner, old Sycamore, I lent Jed a tame of mules to haul his daughter, who married Jed, home in a wagon with her beds and truck. When to come down Paradise Ridge to get the team, Jed claimed one of em got away from him and run off in the big woods. They was a horse and mule trader come along the same day Jed lost the mule, and when he and his boy Bud knocked Jed down to fight, they found fifty dollars on him in a wad, but he won't say where he got it.
0: With which concise statement, the prosecuting attorney sat down and fanned his perspiring brow with his ragged felt hat. got anything to say, Jed inquired the judge in a friendly and leisurely fashion after the accused had been duly sworn in by the sheriff
6: how come a man like you to let a mute get away from him
0: with the judge's friendly question there entered another actor on the scene in the person of a mountain girl who had been cowering on a bench just behind jed her face hidden by a black calico split bonnet please let me tell jed she pleaded in a soft whisper that only father and i heard as we sat just behind her Naw was the one word he gave her but it was spoken with a soft little purr in his husky voice then he answered the judge with a kind of quiet dignity which i saw that the twelve-booted jurymen listened to with respect
4: judge
0: he said with a stern look into the judge's face
4: i reckon you'll have to send me down to the pain i let that mule get away from me and i didn't steal or sell him that is all i got to say
0: and he sat down I felt father start at my side, and then sink back onto his bench. "'Where did you get the money, Jed?' the judge demanded.
4: "'That I ain't a-telling,'
0: answered Jed determinedly.
4: "'Jest send me down to the pain, for you all know all you'll ever know.' "'Well,
0: Jed,' the judge was beginning to say in an argumentative tone of voice, when father arose and stepped in front of the bench.
2: "'May it please your honour to appoint a counsel for the defense
0: he asked in a ringing voice that brought all the outsiders crowding into the door i had never heard or seen my father in a courtroom and i had never suspected him of the resonant silver voice with which he made his demand
6: we ain't got a lawyer in hicks centre but jim handy here and he can't prosecute and defend too i always kinder looks out for the prisoners myself answered the judge Then may i offer myself to the prisoner to conduct his defence
0: father demanded and he looked over at jed who in turn looked at mr goodloe before he nodded
6: then shoot ahead stranger jim have told all they is about it but you can have high and bud turner sworn in and get any more they have got to say Then men speaks truth when they speaks at which statement every good
0: man and true nodded his head with firm conviction a gaunt old mountaineer who sat over by the window cleared his throat in an embarrassment that marked him as the hiram turner alluded to
2: i don't think i shall need the testimony of mr turner or his son
0: father answered quietly as he stood tall and straight before the jury
2: i want to put mr bangs's wife on the witness stand and question her before the jury sheriff call mrs bangs
4: no stranger no
0: said jed and he rose as if to combat But Mr. Goodloe laid a restraining hand on his arm, and, trembling, he took his seat.
4: "'Don't tell nothing, honey,'
0: he whispered, as the girl rose from her bench, laid aside her cavernous black bonnet, and advanced, took the oath administered by the sheriff, and stood facing father.
2: "'Now, Mrs. Bangs,'
0: said father, with silvery tenderness in his voice, which I felt sure had gained him the reputation of never having lost a case in which a woman was involved.
2: I want you to tell us all that happened on the day that Jed let the mule escape him. Look at me, and tell me all about it.
0: Well, stranger, began the mountain girl, with a look of confidence coming
8: into her face, that was like a little pink wide open arbutus. I reckon you won't believe me like Jed didn't at first till we do now.
4: Don't tell, honey, the
0: prisoner commanded and implored in the one plea.
4: I'd rather take the pen. They won't believe you
0: it were this way she continued without seeming to hear the command of her young husband upon whose arm the parson again laid a restraining hand
8: jed he had unhitched the team and tied them with their rope palters to the fence fore our cabin when it was almost dark fore we got thar, then when i was unpacking the wagon he got on one horse and rid down the side of the gulch to see where water was at i was just taking the things in when a man comin' on leading five mules and ridin' on one he was a city stranger in fine clothes, and he asked me for a meal because he had lost his way from a man who had a tent and grub. My mammy is cooked for strangers, so— She sure do that, ejaculated Mr. Turner, proud of his noted hospitality. So I made up a fire hasty in the yard and put on a coffee pot. The girl continued. I had some corn pone and bacon my mammy had given me for a snack and a head up that. "'Whilst well, a got the meal, the stranger he went on unloadin' our wagon, "'and then he come to a bundle of bed-quilts what my mammy had been savin' for me "'from her mammy and her grandmammy. "'He took a notion to them and asked me how old they was, "'and I told him about as old as any twenty-inch cedar on old Harpeth. "'He asked me to trade em, but I couldn't a bear to until he had risked to fifty dollars, "'what was the price of a young mule, "'all on account of his sister wantin' quilts like them up in a big city.' i was kinder crying quiet at let him and go but i thought about what that mule would be to jed who was so good to me so i give him to him and he tied him on his saddle and went away it were most an hour when jed come and when i told him and showed him the money he didn't believe me about them old quilts and he took in the rope from around the neck of the mule he'd been riding she paused here in
0: her story and put her scarlet flower face in her hands while jed groaned and dropped his own face down upon his arm the old judge's face took on a grim sternness, the jury stopped whittling, and the face of every woman in the courtroom gazed upon the girl with stern, unbelieving accusation.
4: "'Go on now, honey, but they won't believe you,'
0: commanded Jed with a sob.
2: "'Your husband took the rope from around the neck of the mule and left him untied?' asked Father Gently. "'What
0: firm, Melissa?' asked the old judge, without gentleness or any show of confidence in what the shrinking woman was saying
8: to beat me with he were a crazed man and called me a name but i don't hold it agin him answered a young wife with a glance at the cowering prisoner
5: he done right
0: calmly announced one of the twelve good men and true in the muddy boots and flannel shirt and every mountain woman in the courtroom nodded her head in approval of the pronouncement order in the courtroom," you all shut up and listen commanded the judge as father looked around the room and then at him with a stern demand for control of the situation
2: then what happened mrs bangs father continued to question
8: i hollered and fought and scared the mule off into the big woods where he can't be found to keep my husband out of the pen she answered with a sob it took me a week to make him believe about them quilts and then pappy came along and fought him about the mule and found the money as he claimed he sold the mule for what was the quilt money
2: that will do thank you mrs bangs
8: said father with the same
0: deference and tenderness he had used when he began to question her
2: "'Does the prosecution wish to question the witness?'
7: "'Ain't no use of questioning her when she says a man gave her fifty dollars for five old quilts,'
0: was the answer made by the young prosecuting attorney, who did not rise to his feet to make his remark. "'Please ask Mrs. Banks if the quilts were woven once of three colours, and then call me to the stand. I said to Father quickly. He put the question to the weeping young wife, and got an affirmative answer.' After which he dismissed her and had the sheriff swear me in.
2: Can you throw any light upon the matter of the purchase or sale of these quilts, Miss Powers?
0: Father questioned me formally. If they were old hand woven, herb dyed, Nish's quilts, they are worth fifty dollars apiece in New York today. I pay that for one not five months ago. I said, staring haughtily into the calmly doubting faces of the mountaineers in the jury box and on the benches.
2: Do you want to question the witness? my
0: father asked of the indolent young prosecutor
7: don't know who she is and don't believe she's telling the truth
6: was the laconic refusal of the prosecutor to let me influence his case well now jim parson Goodlow here brought the gal along with him and i reckon he can character witness for her interposed the judge sheriff swearing the parson his command was duly executed
2: mr Goodlow, do you consider miss powers a woman who can be depended upon to speak the truth
0: father asked him formally i do the reverend mr goodloe answered quietly and just for a second a gleam from his eyes under their dull gold brows shot across the distance to me and if it hadn't all been so serious i should have laughed with glee at his thus having to declare himself about my character in public but the next moment the situation became much more serious and my heart positively stopped still as i seemed to see prison doors close upon the young husband
2: do you want to question the witness
0: father asked of the lolling young prosecutor
7: how long have you known the lady parson
0: he asked with a drawl and one eye half closed there was an intense silence in the courtroom for almost a minute then the reverend mr
7: goodloe answered calmly
3: three days
7: that might be long enough for a parson but it ain't for a jury the young attorney answered
0: and there was a quizzical kindness in the old judge's face as he smiled at mr goodloe and shook his head mr goodloe started to speak but father waved him back to his seat turned to the judge and jury and began the most wonderful speech on the subject of circumstantial evidence and ethical law that i have ever heard his beautiful deep voice was as clear as a bell and twenty years seemed to have fallen from his shoulders i was looking at and listening to the man he had been before i was born and when i could tear my eyes from his radiant face i watched these stolid mountaineers with whom he was working his will with a power they had never experienced before and did not understand the men in the jury-box and the men on the hewn benches dropped their eyes before his flaming ones as he shamed their censorious manhood and some of the sun-bonneted women bent their heads and sobbed when he arraigned them
2: for the lack of motherhood
0: and sisterhood for the poor young wife who had come over the ridge to
2: live among them. Would you men and women rather believe a girl light of love and faithless and send your neighbor to prison for two years of his young life when he could mean much to you and his state and his nation than to give them a little human sympathy and justice? Do you prefer to pin your faith to the value of a worthless vagrant mule than?
0: But just here, when Judge Nicholls Morris Powers was winding himself up for one of the greatest appeals to a jury he had ever made a mule stepped into the case and took away the honour of its winning he poked his inquisitive nose into a back window of the court-room which looked out upon the edge of the big woods and gave the whole assemblage a hue-haw of derision
8: lordy mighty that our pete come back hisself with all the kirkles in the big woods stickin to him exclaimed hiram turner
0: as he rose and went to examine his property
8: he wasn't sold to no mule man, for they crops their hair on their hoofs to see if they's healthy for they buys this here frees Jed.
2: and now that you gentlemen have the testimony of a mule will you not believe the word of mrs bangs and miss powers about the valuable quilts
0: my father said after he had commanded silence by raising his hand "'We sure to believe every word of it, stranger,
8: and you won this here case and not that mule.
0: a stern old sister in a gingham apron and black bonnet said, with a commanding glance at the jury. "'Yes,
5: stranger,'
0: answered the hoary old foreman, whom to this day I believe to be the meek husband of the commanding old woman in the black bonnet.
5: "'I have done got the mind of the jury, and they all voted for you and not my mule.' i hereby gives that mule to jed bangs and my daughter melissa and i'll knock off a half on the price of his teammate to jed if he gives me his forgiveness and hern old hiram rose
0: and turned with his hand on the forelock of the mule hero to say to the assembled courtroom
6: go round and hold him quick jed for he breaks away again the darn fool he added in another voice yes prisoner you are declared free and hurry to catch him for he's straining against hiram was the judge's sentence delivered
0: from the bench as everybody rose and began to stream out to watch the tussle between jed and the wild mule father and the parson were among the first to gain the door in the next few minutes i found that some of the shy mountain women were beginning to hover about me and in another ten minutes i had laid the foundation of an export rug and quilt business that I have a feeling, will thrive greatly.
5: Were you arrested because your mother told you not to sell the quilts?
0: was Charlotte's sympathetic question to the young Mrs. Banks, and I saw the mite take a clean handkerchief from her small pink pocket and apply it to the tears that was causing down Melissa's cheeks, over the dimple which her smiling mouth was putting in their way. Just be a
5: good girl, and God will forgive you,
0: she comforted further, nestling a dirty pink cheek, "'which rubbed off against Melissa's wet one. "'And I asked if she was totally depraved less than an hour ago. "'I apologized to my named daughter in my heart. "'All the way home I sat beside father, "'and once I laid a timid hand in his, "'through his fingers the pride I had in him "'must have flown into his. "'He flushed for a second, and then was pale again. "'You can't put new wine in
2: old bottles, daughter,'
0: "'he said sadly, as he glanced down into the valley.' The car was running smoothly, slowly and noiselessly, around the sharp curve, and the Reverend Mr. Goodloe both heard and answered the sad axiom.
3: The finest wine mellows in casks, and is then bottled free of dregs." judge. I think the wine of life is of that vintage,
0: he said, with one of his radiant smiles that I could see fairly warm father from his paleness. I wonder just what he meant by the wine of life. I asked myself, as I went to say good-night to old Harpeth, after I put out my light before going to bed. End of chapter 4